I think more and more companies are getting smart about thinking about how do you balance best of breed with best of suite. I think the old world where things were walled gardens, like at least within the tech community, I think that people are kind of understood that going away. I would think carefully about, do you really want to lock yourself in? Hey, it's Dan McGaw here. I'm a tech stack nerd and the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw.io. Each week, I get to speak to executives and I find out the stack they're using to drive revenue and make their goals a reality. This week, I've got Justin Bauer, the chief product officer at Amplitude. Amplitude is a product intelligence platform, aka product analytics, that helps companies analyze and build their products to be the best. The best thing about having a platform like this is that you can actually use it to create your own product strategy to grow it even more. So they've got some pretty cool stuff going on. Let me be clear though, their analytics platform does a whole lot more than just track product analytics. It's great for marketing analytics, sales analytics, and a whole lot more. They also just announced that they have launched their new CDP product that will allow you to share your tracking data with all sorts of other tools. We'll talk more about this and Justin's team's strategies for growth, including their North Star metric, their product-led growth strategy, including his tips and tricks on how you can build a successful stack too. So let's get into it. So Justin Bauer, Chief Product Officer at Amplitude. And yeah, I've been leading product here for the past seven years. Before that, I uh, actually ran a gaming company. Uh, so I've been very deep in uh, the world of product analytics. Prior to that, actually was a digital consultant. So I uh, helped uh, companies come up with what their digital strategy should be. Uh, prior to that, uh, was actually an econometrician. So kind of the theme throughout my career has been how do people make better decisions uh, through data, uh, with the most recent part of my career being about how do you do that within product. Let's talk a little bit about Amplitude. Like From your perspective, what does Amplitude do? What is the product? Yeah, uh, so most people know us as a product analytics company. That's where we started. So what is product analytics? It helps our customers use product data to understand user behavior, drive the outcomes that matter to them. So you're trying to drive growth, engagement, retention. Uh, you want to understand when you're releasing a new feature, how is it impacting that? And so that's kind of the basis or the core of the Amplitude suite. Now, we've been product analytics, like I said, from the beginning. Last year, we actually extended our suite and launched a couple new products that really took advantage of product analytics to solve problems that we saw in other categories. And so those two were experimentation and then uh, audience management. And then most recently, actually, at our conference uh, last month, we announced uh, the launch of our CDP. And so now we've kind of been able to complete the full vision that we had, which is how do we help customers be able to collect, manage, and govern their data, turn that data into insights, and then based on those insights, take action on that and measure the impact of that. So that kind of creates this flywheel that we think is really critical for all teams that they're trying to drive engagement, retention, try to drive growth. You need to iterate a lot in your digital experience. And so we want to make sure you have all the tools to do that. Now, you mentioned product analytics, and you know I think this is kind of something you all have evolved, right? But when I think about a customer data platform, a CDP, right, that's a marketing tool for most people. So how is that changing the way that you all think about your marketing, your positioning, and things like that? Because you are known as product analytics so well. Yeah, I think that's been something we've thought a lot about. I mean, that was our initial entry point was product analytics, but largely we're seeing kind of the category evolve to digital analytics as customers want to understand not just behavior within their product, but also behavior within landing pages. Like what's user behavior within their marketing campaigns? How does that drive product outcomes for them? And at the end of the day, if you think about your customers, your users, 
they don't care if that digital touch point came from a marketer or came from a PM. Like to them, it's all one experience. And it's been a huge challenge, I think, for a number of people in the space to actually be able to attribute and see the full journey of that user from top of funnel, from the first touch point, all the way to them becoming a loyal, engaged customer. And so we've seen that as an opportunity to actually connect those dots. Now that's had an impact then on yeah how we talk about ourselves, where it's not just about product analytics, but digital analytics. We, we call the whole suite digital optimization, and that's one of the reasons for that. Um, because we actually partner with PMs, with marketers. And I think in CDP, same transitions occurring, where yeah, traditionally a CDP was all about how do you help get this profile of this user for marketing purposes, but now we need CDPs that can actually create identity across the entire digital experience. And that's been something that we've actually been focused on since day one. Even if we didn't call ourselves a CDP, we've always thought about how do we help a customer understand that journey? And so we kind of realize that a lot of the capabilities we're building are effectively what you do within a CDP. So yeah, that was when we made the decision of like, well, let's make sure people actually understand that. And so we'll officially launch that, that capability. Love it. Now, I've been using Amplitude for marketing for a really, really long time, right? So like, uh, even when you were just product analytics focused, I was still using you for marketing. So the powers are definitely there. So like, really, really would push any marketer to use it. You know, when you think about your KPIs and your goals, right? Like, how are you measured? What are the metrics that you and the rest of the leadership team are looking at from a product perspective to make sure that like, you're successful? Like, what are those success and KPI metrics you're focused on? I think this is something that's actually really important because I think sometimes companies get this wrong. So obviously at the company level, like we care about revenue, retention, things like that. Those make sense. I think sometimes product teams, especially within B2B, will over-focus on just driving revenue. And it's really important to actually identify what we call it a North Star metric. What is the metric that's a leading indicator of that that represents customer value? Because like our users, our customers don't care about whether our revenue is growing. And so we talk a lot about like what's value to them. And so that's how we created our North Star. And so we've shared a lot about this. It's, we call it a weekly learning user. And so what it is, it's a user within the Amplitude product who gets to some sort of insight such that they actually then share that with two or more other people who then consume it. So that represents a lot of value created because it's not just querying, right? It's actually you got to a chart or a dashboard, you literally save that thing, you shared it with someone um, because you're trying to actually drive better decisions to be made. And that sharing component is really important to us. We always talk about how building product is a team sport. And so we wanted to build a product analytics product that allowed teams to work together. And so that's the North Star metric that we're accountable to driving. And we think about then what are our investments and how are they actually growing the number of weekly learning users that we have within the customer base. How, now, how do you measure that shared and insight? Now, you say it's a North Star metric, but is it like on a dashboard, is it like 72% of accounts have a North Star metric met? Like, how do you actually measure that? Yeah, so we actually measure the number of users who end up saving content. So we have like a bunch of different kind of I would say drivers of that. So do you save content? Do you collaborate? Meaning do you share it? And then how many people consume that content and how much content is created that is consumed by two or more people. So those are all leading indicators. But then we actually, yeah, we've got a dashboard that reflects across the entire customer base how many total WLUs, weekly learning users we have. And then we look at that within each account. And so like, it's not just a product metric. Our customer success team spends a lot of time focusing on that because they can look at a specific customer that maybe a CSM is supporting and see how many WLUs do you have? What does the growth look like? If we're not seeing a healthy ratio of WLUs, 
why is that not happening? Uh, is there something where we didn't activate a customer appropriately or uh, some other issue that might be happening? And so it, it actually helps give a lot of signal to the entire company around how do we make sure we're delivering a great uh, experience. I love how Justin and his team are focusing on a North Star metric. Picking out a metric that is centered around delivering value to your customers is extremely important. But that strategy might leave you wondering about like revenue, right? Shouldn't that really be the North Star? That's a fair thought, but the answer lies in generating value for your customers. My buddy Sean Ellis explains this nicely. He coined the term North Star metric along with the term growth hacker, and he literally wrote the book Hacking Growth. Here's what he said about North Star metrics and revenue in an interview with Subclub. I think the beauty of a North Star metric is that it's one metric that rules all other metrics, but it shouldn't be confused with the concept of the one metric that matters. And sometimes people conflate the two. A lot of metrics matter in the business, right. but what you're trying to do with the North Star metric is reflect how much aggregate value am I actually delivering to my customers? Once you understand what the must have experience is with the product, how many units of that experience am I delivering? And so you might say like, why that instead of just revenue, like revenue is where it all hangs off of. But if you just focus on revenue and value is not moving at the same pace as revenue, then eventually revenue is going to crash and you're going to be disappointed. But if you can focus on how do I keep growing that footprint of value and have revenue be a function of that value, then revenue is going to be much more sustainable. I want to highlight something Sean said. The North Star metric shouldn't be seen as a single metric that matters. Of course, other metrics matter and are important as well. And if you go back a few weeks and listen to my conversation with Peter Mahoney, the CEO of Plana, he talked a lot about depth of adoption in his product. And even in my own products like UTM.io, we track things like activation rate as our North Star, as it is when our users have finally been delivered the value of the product. Let me be clear about this too. As the former head of marketing at Kissmetrics, Amplitude was one of my competitors. As a company, Kissmetrics honestly was not very good at having a North Star metric, and they struggled to deliver value to their customers in the product. Tailing onto what Sean Ellis said, we were driving revenue and growth like crazy at Kissmetrics, but the true value the customers were getting from the product was just not there. So no matter how many customers I earned the company or money we put in the bank from new customers, churn from a bad product ultimately caught up to the company and caused it to fail and eventually be sold off for pennies on the dollar. Funny enough, I wound up at Kissmetrics because I ended up firing them as our analytics vendor when I was leading growth at codeschool.com. We ended up firing Kissmetrics like many other companies because we could not get the long-term value from the analytics it provided and we ultimately switched to Mixpanel. Don't ask me how I ended up firing Kissmetrics as my vendor and then they recruited me to run their marketing team. That's a story for another time. <laughs> Enough of my stories though. Justin had a lot more to share when I asked him about tracking activation for their customers. Talk a lot about activation. So, what's the period of time it takes for a customer to get to an activated state? We've got a definition of what kind of that activated moment looks like. And then we've been able to use Amplitude to figure out like what are the behaviors that a customer does that leads them to be better activated. And so that's a key part of that. We think then about that engagement loop. So, how often are we converting users from just being active users to being WLUs? We talk a lot about uh, that consumption loop. And so is content being created? Is it being shared within the ecosystem? We look at when new teams emerge and are those then being activated appropriately? 
And that gets broken down across the entire customer base. And then depending on whether this is an enterprise customer, like there's different thresholds that we look at for what success looks like in enterprise versus we also have a very healthy uh, free program. And so then from a self-serve monetization perspective, looking at, okay, what does it mean to activate customers? What are our free to paid conversion rates? And so kind of look at each parts of the business where the general principles apply, but maybe the exact measurements might be slightly different. And it sounds like you're fortunate because you kind of get to drink your own champagne, right? Like you're a product analytics company building a world-class product using your own product. So that's got to be kind of exciting to be able to actually use your product to make your product better. It definitely is. And I think it's one of the things I probably didn't fully appreciate that even when I joined is how much I would enjoy building for product people like myself and just how much better of a product leader I've become because I've got to work with our customers. And we've really leaned into that as well. I've, I've seen a big part of our job is not just building a great product, but we're trying to really evangelize this change that's occurring where every business should become a product-led business. They should become more data-driven. Uh, and so we invest a lot in playbooks and processes and approaches. And, and we find customers who are doing something that we feel like is really bleeding edge. We try to celebrate that, uh, get them to talk more about it so that we're helping push the industry forward. And that's something I think that I've like I really enjoy that because I think that's true impact. I mean, I'm very proud of the fact that we've built a great product, but I'm also very proud of the fact that we've actually helped really move an industry. Yeah, you for sure have, man. Uh, coming from my days at Kiss Metrics, I know what analytics were like uh, when we were trying to do something similar, and now I get to see it in Amplitude all the time and how much better it can actually be. Going back to this North Star metric, and then also let's just talk about a little bit about activation and converting people from active to the uh, weekly learning user. What are the major projects that you are running that are helping you push those metrics forward and hit those goals? Are there one or two projects that you're really leading right now, which are pushing on those things? Yeah, so there's both features that we're building, but also just how do we better understand it? For instance, like we're actively right now looking at potentially changing our activation metric. We're better understanding what actually drives activation. And so I've been working with our analytics and uh, data science team to actually better be able to understand kind of what drives uh, churn retention uh, within our account base. And I'm really, really excited about that. There's some new frequency type analysis that we've uncovered. And then the fun thing, speaking back to the drinking on champagne, we'll likely bring those capabilities into Amplitude if they prove to be fruitful for us. And so that's always really, really exciting because then we can help our other customers actually think about potentially being able to measure metrics like that. So, so there's both like the analytical work to better understand what are the drivers. And then once you really understand the drivers, then it is about the feature work to actually do that. And so an example of that, like we're revamping our team spaces right now. That's been one of the things that we've seen be a really clear uh, driver of activation. People learn through their teammates. That's how people actually learn. It's not like you don't go read documentation to learn how to do something. You actually play around with it yourself and then you ask somebody who knows the product, like, oh, I'd love to, I was playing around with this, what do you think? And so we want to make that be a lot more seamless. And so we're doing a big revamp of our user experience there. We've seen a lot of positive results from that. We've actually, our A-B tests have shown that it actually does have a positive impact on the North Star metric, uh, which is great. And so that's like one one example, but yeah, there's a number of other things that we're that we're working on in terms of ways to improve activation and actually be able to show that through the metrics. So, you know, it sounds like amplitude is a big part of your stack, right? So, but what would you say from a product stack perspective are the big tools or big products that you, the product team, are leaning on to really be able to push towards those goals and increase activation and such? 
Yeah, so I mean, clearly Amplitude is a big part of it. So from an analytics perspective, we heavily leverage Amplitude. We bring all of our data in through our CDP offering. We also have a lot of data within Snowflake, and so we, we build connectors. That's part of our CDP is that you can actually load data from Snowflake directly uh, into Amplitude as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a big part of our stack. I mentioned experimentation. We use Amplitude for experimentation. Not the only tool that we use, though, uh, for sure. So I think, you know, when I think about the product stack, like there's, like the quantitative side we just talked about, there's also the qualitative kind of like, how do you think about ideation, planning? And so we use Product Board for tracking a lot of customer requests. We use user testing for doing user tests. We've got Intercom hooked up throughout, so we can uh, use that as like an interface basically to customers around uh, surveys. And and then we'll build prototypes in Figma. We'll share those with our customers. So yeah, then we use Confluence in terms of how do we actually document a lot of our learnings, product briefs, things like that. So those are all kind of part of the qualitative side. And, the, and then, yeah, Amplitude really does fit a lot of the quantitative side for us. So when at least it comes to product. That kind of is the center of the uh, of the universe for us. Now, what about like onboarding of users? Right, I think I noticed that you have app queues installed, and as well as you know, you have intercom. So, like, is app queues what you're using to mainly push people through the funnel to get them activated? Yeah. So, app queues is basically yeah. So, during an activation period, we'll have uh, some guides there. Whenever we've got a new feature that we're launching or maybe doing like an open beta, then we'll use that to introduce that feature to folks. And then the nice thing is the combination of that plus Amplitude is we can do better targeting. So it's not we actually hit everyone with that, but we can actually use user behavior that we measure with an Amplitude to figure out who are the people that actually might be interested in using this new feature so that uh, we're not kind of bombarding everyone, but can actually target based on kind of propensity to likely engage. Yeah, so you naturally you're using app queues to kind of onboard people through the product. Now, is there any type of other products or platforms you're using to not only make it so that you can nurture them through that initial sign-up stage, like whether that be through email or omni-channel stuff? Is the product team involved with any of that product marketing? Yeah, so like the growth lifecycle marketing. Yeah. yeah, so yep, definitely do that as well. So we also have an audience management tool. In Amplitude. In Amplitude, yeah. So Amplitude has an audience management tool. So we, we use our own to create cohorts that we can then target for lifecycle campaigns. And then we'll send that into both Marketo as well as Outbound. I think we use both uh, in terms of a lot of our email. I think Marketo is a lot more for the lifecycle and Outbound a bit more for our like SDR outreach uh, sequences. For SDRs as well, like we'll use because a lot of, like I said, we've got a free product, so a lot of our inbound comes from people using the free product. We'll actually target users based on what we think they're more likely. We call them PQAs, so product qualified leads, effectively, uh, and then we'll use like a tool like uh, Outbound to reach out to them. Interesting. Now, I mean, I guess like I'm curious, right? I, I know of Amplitude definitely as an enterprise grade product, but you do have this free solution, right? Anybody can sign up. It's free, 10 million events a month and things like that. How much of that is focused on a product led growth strategy? And like, what are your theories around product led growth and what are you guys trying to do there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a big part of our product led growth strategy. I mean, we actually support almost every company that is driving a product-led growth strategy. Uh, because to really be product-led means you're letting the product actually be the main driver of how you win. So it's like you're actually getting people to use your product before they're engaging with your sales or marketing organization. The product needs to prove out value on its in and of itself. And so we're going to drink our own Kool-Aid there as well. We're big believers in that movement. We've seen huge benefits of that, which is why we have such, I think, a generous free plan. We want to allow small companies to be able to get up and running and not have to worry about paying for that. As they mature, then we want to be able to help them 
there. And so then we give them opportunities to then to upsell into some of the more paid packages. But yeah, no, it's definitely been a big part of our strategy. Now with the product side of things, right? Like what I'm curious, if you have this product-led growth that is helping you move people from basically this free trial stance and then into an enterprise stance, a sales rep naturally will have to get involved throughout that. I mean, from your perspective though, when you think about the marketing attribution or the strategies or campaigns that marketing is running, how much of your time is invested into understanding how those campaigns drive successful uh, WLs and things like that, or WLUs, excuse me, weekly learning users? For sure, we definitely think about that, especially within kind of the SMB and free tiers. So are we actually driving users successfully into the product, re-engaging them, and ultimately getting them to get to a healthier uh, state, which having a lot of WLUs is an example of that. And I think that's where it's really important to be able to connect the product data to those actions. So it's not just about, we sent out an email, did someone actually click on the email, maybe even get to the product, but did that actually lead to them engaging deeper? Are we actually getting them to eventually get to WLU? And we can measure all of that uh, within Amplitude so you can kind of start to see the impact on those downstream metrics. Yeah, so you definitely, I mean, Amplitude is, you're using it as the CDP and you're using it to process all that data. But it sounds like you're also consuming data from other sources, right? So like as an example, Amplitude, of course, will track what's happening on the website and things like that. But are you feeding in kind of your Marketo data, your outreach or uh, Salesforce data into Amplitude too? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we feed all that all that data in either as events if there's an actual activity, or also properties. And so, like a lot of Salesforce data, will actually use that to for us to be able to understand within a customer, like what is their industry, how much ARR are they spending. That allows us to be able to slice and dice within Amplitude by those different segments. Now you talked about Snowflake earlier, and I understand Amplitude is a reporting tool, but Amplitude is not exactly a BI tool. So, is there another BI tool that's sitting on top of Snowflake? So we mostly do, um, I think our finance team does use Tableau. We try to bring as much of the analysis that comes on the kind of product and marketing side within Amplitude as we can. Other than that, honestly, it'll just be like, we'll do some charting with, within like iPotha and notebooks and things like that. Uh, but I do believe the finance team uses Tableau. So naturally, I'm assuming Amplitude, because it has a CDP offering and it's analytical tracking, it's dumping data into Snowflake. But is Amplitude reading data from Snowflake kind of in like a reverse ETL fashion? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that. And that's a common capability for our customers uh, as well. The ability to pull data out of Snowflake and bring that into Amplitude, either as events or, like I said, sometimes they just want to hydrate properties of events, kind of fulfill uh, a little bit more of the profile of a user uh, with data that maybe isn't naturally being collected within Amplitude. Let's give a quick explainer on reverse ETLs. It's a decently new concept that's taken off in the past 12 months or so. So what is it? Let's first start with what regular ETLing is. ETL stands for export, transform, and load. And if you want to be more modern, you now know that there's a thing called ELT, which stands for export, load, and transform. Typically, an ETL or ELT process is when you export data from a tool like an ad platform, Marketo, Salesforce, or whatever, you then either transform that data and load it into a warehouse, and for those on the modern data stack using dbt, you might export it, load it, then transform it in the warehouse. 
ETLs have been around for a long time. It was one of the processes I used at Code School to create highly personalized emails. We would export the tracking data from Kissmetrics about the content people viewed. We then transform that into the syntax that MailChimp would use for contacts and then load that data into MailChimp so we can have the data to power our dynamic content in emails using if statements and other things like that. ETLs have been a pretty standard process for a long time. With reverse ETL though, your process starts by extracting the data from your warehouse, transforming it, and then loading it into a third-party system that then makes that data operational. This is kind of what I was doing at Code School as I was pulling data out of Kissmetrics, and at that time, it was basically our data warehouse. Back then, data warehousing is not the same thing it is today. Platforms though like HighTouch and Census are two of the biggest players in the reverse ETL space, but basically everybody has jumped into the game now and everybody's on the bandwagon, especially the CDB companies like Segment, Rudderstack, and even Amplitude have baked this reverse ETL into their products. With reverse ETL, you get more from your data as you can now leverage any piece of data from any tool. Simply put, nearly every tool allows you to extract data into your data warehouse. With tools like dbt, you can transform that data into any format in your warehouse. Then with reverse ETL, you can now load that data into nearly any other tool in your stack. Justin had some thoughts on the complications of reverse ETL. So let's get back to him. There's a big movement of standardizing customer data uh, within a data warehouse. Uh, and so we're big fans of that. We fully believe uh, in that because there's going to be lots of different use cases for that customer data. It's not just going to be within product analytics or digital analytics. And so we really embrace that, which is why we help get customer data into Snowflake while uh, we'll be able to pull data out of Snowflake. Um, so that's like the first thing. And I think that's the big trend that's driving this concept of reverse ETL, which is like, okay, if you have all this data within Snowflake, how do you get that data out into other systems? And so, uh, yeah, we actually offer those same capabilities. I think it's great to, for customers to be able to use that data. I think the big thing that we think about is that how easy is it for non-technical folks to be able to actually take action on that. That was why we got into audience management, why we got into effectively the reverse ETL space, uh, was in the same way that we kind of democratized product analytics, made it such that you don't have to use SQL. We built an interface that makes it very easy for a PM or a marketer to be able to understand user behavior. We've done the same thing for the ability to create insights, or sorry, audiences. It's really nice to actually be able to go from insight directly to audience creation. So you're analyzing a funnel, you see where there's a drop-off in users, you might then want to actually uh, run a campaign off of that set of users, uh, and you can basically connect directly to that audience and then send that to your tools. And the fact that we can then reverse ETL data from Snowflake into Amplitude and then allow you to then connect that into all your tools makes it a lot easier for a marketer to do that versus having to go into play around with Snowflake or some of the reverse ETL tools, which really do require more technical expertise to do that uh, direct connection themselves. I would definitely agree there. Most of the tools do require an engineer to set up the reverse ETL and manage that. So it sounds pretty cool that you have that going. Going back to something else you had mentioned though, right? So like naturally you're using your product to be able to understand how things are going. You've got this ETL or this reverse ETL process that's enabling you to kind of surface more of these insights into Amplitude. But Amplitude is also being used as a CDP to send data elsewhere. So when you think about products like Intercom um, and also AppQs, it sounded like earlier you'd mentioned AppQs is dynamically set up to send things to certain audiences. I mean, are there a lot of ways that you're using this new data that you have from an ETL process to send elsewhere to create other actions? Like you'd mentioned AppQs, but what about like Intercom? Is that being customized based upon what's happening in Amplitude? 
yeah, same thing. It's a very similar story, which is uh, we may want to do some introductory campaign, for instance, or like we actually hook our customer health models. So we build our customer health models within Snowflake. Uh, uses a lot of product data, but there's also some other signals that we want to pull. And we then pull that property into Amplitude and then can use Amplitude so then if a customer health is maybe going down, then we can actually automate an intercom campaign for that user and then potentially even then have them talk one-on-one. But we'll start with kind of the intercom campaign. And so that's like a way that we're actually leveraging a lot of product data and being able to really hyper-target when is the right moment to actually reach out to a customer. And I think that's the benefit of it. I, I think this world where we send all of the product data is like this fire hose of events to every single different part of the stack. It's just not cost effective as customer data just grows in volume. And so instead, being smart around how do you actually have it within one or two locations and then create kind of an insights layer, which is really what we think of Amplitude, to then be able to better do better targeting, you don't then have to send all of your events into Intercom. We can actually help you understand when you should actually run that play and then measure to see if it worked. I think that's the thing that a lot of people forget with all these different messaging tools is, yeah, you want to run that play, but was it actually effective? Did it actually improve customer health? Are you measuring that? I think a lot of times people forget to do that. And so we help them with that too. I can attest to that. I see that all day long. People launch campaigns and then never measure them. And it's like, well, how do you know it's working? Now, you know, AppCues is known as kind of an onboarding tool or a kind of like uh, activation tool to get people to learn how to use a product. But you talk about using Intercom with kind of a health score. Now, is Intercom, is it bringing up the chat in the product to do this or is it sending them emails? Like, how is Intercom interacting with the customers? Yeah, so we'll bring up the chat. That's one of the main reasons why we really started uh, partnering with them was to be able to do that. We we're really thinking about what are some of the ways that we can better scale our customer success touch points um, so that we're not just relying on, like we've got the standard kind of like, yeah, we meet with a customer every quarter to talk about their what their progress is and things like that. That wasn't enough touch points we felt like, at least for certain accounts. Like if they're struggling, we don't want to wait till the end of the quarter because that just happens to be when we calendar in a meeting. If we can get signals for that, we want to make sure that we're actually having that conversation with them earlier, and so the intercom helps us with that. Now, naturally, with this health score and with AppQs and intercom, you're probably learning a lot of qualitative data as you go through those programs, and you kind of get learnings, right? How do you take those qualitative learnings, consume those, document them, and then get them all the way back to the start of the cycle? Because you had talked about you're using Figma, you're using Product Board to be able to kind of drive product direction. So how does that loop kind of work together there? So one thing that we do that I think is actually a, a, not something we talk to a lot of our customers around doing, but something we've seen a lot of value in, is actually we pull all of that qualitative data into Amplitude so that then you can actually, like, we'll do things like NPS scores and like customer feedback. We can actually see who gave the customer feedback, and then we can actually look at, well, what did their behavior look like within the product, and can that better help inform us? around like as we made changes, do we actually see that those users engaged in the change? So when we close the loop, we got customer feedback, maybe some feature request, we'll close the loop with that customer. We can actually then go see, did they actually use it? Did they engage with it? If not, why not? Maybe we'll follow up with them again. Really, I think we've been able to turn Amplitude and kind of like that then insight center for us where it's not just the quantitative, but we're actually pulling in the qualitative. And that works well because then everyone kind of lives within that. And so then when we're kicking off research, we can actually yeah, we can go to Amplitude to understand like where were people frustrated with this type of experience. Men might be some of the concepts that we want to test to actually improve it. 
when you think about other people that are out there thinking about building their their product led growth stack or product managers or other CPOs, I mean, what would be the three recommendations you would give them on building their stack and how they need to think about creating this architecture of tools to help them push the business forward? So one would be think about the importance of measurement and closing the loop. I see a lot of leaders, they think about growing their stack, building out their stack, and they're like, okay, well, I need a messaging tool. And they'll like start there. And it's like, yes, that's important. Like, no question. Messaging is is a very important part of the tool. But you need to understand if it's actually working. Not just that you can send messages, but are they effective messages? Are they customized? And actually, are they driving the outcomes that matter to you? So take the time to actually think about what's the whole point of buying this whole stack? It's to create growth outcomes. How are you going to measure those growth outcomes? Invest in that time. That's why you need an analytics tool. Whether or not you use Amplitude, it's like, but the, the broader point is, Think about how you're going to measure the impact of it. That's the starting point, number one. Way too often people just get in, they buy a bunch of tools, they start using them, but then they actually haven't even thought about what's the growth strategy? Like, how is this actually going to work? So that's number one. <laughs> that's a big one. I think the other part, like, I think more and more companies are getting smart about thinking about how do you balance best of breed with best of suite. I think the old world where things were walled gardens, like at least within the tech community, I think that, People are kind of understood that going away. I mean, so not to pick on like an Adobe, but I think Adobe has always been about a wall garden. You even look at their CDP offering. It's really a CDP for Adobe. So I would think carefully about, do you really want to lock yourself in in that fashion? And your partner needs to be some, as you think about your partners, because these are partners, they're not just vendors, they're partners, that they're going to be able to support you as your business grows and changes and that there are new categories that emerge. And so make sure that your partner is building for an open ecosystem. I think we see that within the CDP space as well. I don't think every single CDP is really embracing the move towards customer data being stored within a data warehouse. And so not all of them actually allow you to easily bring data out of a data warehouse. A lot of the CDP tools actually don't support reverse ETL. Whereas for us, we said, no, I mean, we think this is a movement. We want to be, uh, we want to be part of it. And we've always taken an open ecosystem approach. Like even like something I made very clear when we announced the CDP, the reality is you don't have to use our CDP to bring data in Amplitude. We're not going to force you to do that. We want to make it as an option. We think we've built a great product, so there's a lot. we think there's a lot of reasons for it, but we're going to be agnostic. You can bring your own data in any format that you want. And so I think you want to have a partner who thinks about that in that way. I think that raises the bar. I'm not trying to lock you in. I'm trying to give you the best options. I think those would be advice that I would give to people as they're thinking about building out the stack. Let's talk a little bit more about those walled gardens. I'll follow Justin and pick on Adobe here. The biggest problem with Adobe is that it is not an open data market. So it doesn't easily allow you to send your data elsewhere. That means if you're using Adobe Analytics, you're kind of stuck also using Adobe Experience Manager or Adobe Test and Target and so on. Even if those don't work for your company, you don't have much of an option of working with other best in breed tools. But that doesn't mean you need to avoid the best of suite solution altogether. Suites can still be really powerful and there are a lot of benefits especially when you're a massive corporation who is not capable of recruiting the talent it takes to run a modern data stack. Fortunately, not all suites are walled gardens. For instance, HubSpot, Segment, and Amplitude are all open data suites. By using those kind of suites, you can still build the stack of best-in-breed tools and best-of-suite. Just make sure you avoid the walled garden unless it really works for what you need. 
Are there two or three products that have been kind of key to your success throughout your career? Is there something that's been consistent? Not only like the B2B stack that we work inside of, but even like personal tools. Like are there things that have kept you super effective over the years? I mean, talk about personal tool like Excel and now Google Sheet. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about data products. Like let's talk about like the most used data products in the world. And so like, yes, I think that's a big one. Uh, why we even have like integration with Google Sheets. You want to export data at Amplitude and be able to analyze that within Sheet. Like totally, yeah, go for it. Like that's great. We know that that's a tool that's used across, across the industry. And so that's a big one. What other tools? I mean, we didn't talk a lot the, about the infrastructure side, but I think we've seen a lot of success with Datadog. That's been a big part of our stack. We've grown alongside them. I, I look at them as what's a, Datadog? On, uh, so Datadog APM. So they start infrastructure monitoring, but now they do client side monitoring. It's more on the infrastructure kind of like engineering part of the stack. I think they've done a great job also of going from just a single product to thinking about how do we solve. Like instead of having all these different tools, we give you visibility across them. And they thought about the workflows between each of them that actually it is a better experience to use their multiple tools than it is to buy individual point solutions. I think they've done a great job of becoming a multi product suite. But I also look to them as like, I think, a good leader of how to think about the stack within the infrastructure and engineering side. So that's definitely a tool that we found a lot of success with. Those are probably. Yeah, that'd be the first couple I'd think about. I'm curious, what are your predictions of the stack of the future? If you were to fast forward five years, 10 years, I mean, what are your predictions on how things are going to be different or the new things we're going to be using? I think there's this pendulum that swings where it used to be all kind of like you buy from one company like an Adobe or an Oracle or something like that. And we, we definitely went into this world of like best of breed, lots of point solutions. You see so many different companies existing within all these different parts of the stack. I think we're, and this typically happens within industry, I think we're going to find the healthy medium where it's not maybe you need 30 companies to build out your stack because that is just a lot of overhead. And we're going to find that there will be companies who figure out like those intersection points. What are the problems that you can only solve? Like product data being a big one. Like product data helps in all these different parts of the stack. That enables like an amplitude, for instance, to actually lean into experimentation, where I can confidently say that we have a better experimentation experience than if you were to buy a standalone experiment product and sit it alongside amplitude analytics product. Now we give you the opportunity to do that. So we integrate very closely with those different experimentation products. So if you choose to do that, we're never like we're going to support that. But I think because of the importance of product data and actually evaluating experiments and how like the challenges of managing identity, there's like a bunch of these that we can actually solve for uniquely. I think you'll start to see that we're going to find this kind of middle ground where you'll see larger companies that have done really great job of integrating the experiences uh, together. So I think that's one. I think another trend that we'll see, I mentioned this move towards customer data being stored within a data warehouse. I think that's going to have big implications on the stack as well. Uh, I think every player needs to really think about what's their role and how do they actually partner with that uh, customer data store. And so that's something that obviously that we're leaning into. Uh, but I expect that to be a big part. I mean, we're seeing that really uh, change, like in the security stack, for instance. I think it's actually evolved quite a bit. I think we'll see similar things happening within the growth stack. What do you mean that you've seen things change from a security stack going back to that warehouse? What do, what do you mean there? 
So I think we're seeing a lot more security companies that are actually, instead of kind of being verticalized end-to-end solutions, are actually thinking about, well, if a lot of the security data sits within Snowflake, can we actually build applications that sit on top of that and take advantage of that? And so I think that's a trend that you'll start to see within other stacks as well. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that data warehouse. I mean, trying to get all the data in there and then reusing that data to be able to create better experiences across that stack is really interesting. This has been great, man. You're super, super fun to chat with. You definitely have done a lot of amazing things. And it's super cool to hear that you're drinking your own champagne in so many different ways across the stack. So this has been really great. I appreciate you taking the time to be able to spend it with us. Of course. Yeah, no, it's been a ton of fun, Dan. I appreciate the uh, the questions. And it's something, yeah, we think a lot about here. So yeah, I'm glad to be able to provide at least some insights for some of the folks who are listening in. What a great conversation. It was such a pleasure to chat with Justin. Let's review some of the highlights. First, I think it's awesome that Amplitude is drinking their own champagne. If you're building a product, like any type of product, from a car to an internet tool, the best way to improve it is to know what needs to be improved firsthand, right? Hopefully Elon's out there driving a Tesla, right? He probably has a Bugatti and doesn't drive his own cars, but who knows? I mean, hopefully he's testing his own product. For Amplitude, it helps a lot that they are a product analytics company using their own product to build their product. That's a growth loop if you ask me. A lot of companies are getting into this trend and it's a super useful way to see if companies you work with are going to provide you the best possible experience. Just go back to my interview with Jared Gardner from Sprinkler. They practically run the entire company on the Sprinkler platform. Second, that North Star metric. Getting your team focused on a metric of delivering value to your customers and using it to grow is amazing. Revenue alone will not build your company effectively, and focusing only on too many metrics around revenue or too many metrics at once can lead to an unorganized environment. It's a great tactic that will help you build a valuable product with high lifetime value and customer retention. Finally, if you're not familiar with it yet or not doing reverse ETL, I would highly recommend researching it. Justin was clear that it's a very powerful feature that their team is using to grow the business and provide a more personalized experience that drives revenue. I wonder, what data do you have in your warehouse that could power your personalization, automation, or even advertising campaigns? And if you don't have a data warehouse yet, you might want to stop listening to this podcast and come back when you got your shit together, okay? That's enough for today. Join me every week on The Stack. Because you're interested in this podcast, you might be interested in understanding how all the data flows around in your stack. Go check out stackbuilder.com and use it to plot how data flows, track your tools in your stack, and collaborate with your team on how to track the cost and effectiveness of your tools. All right, I'll see you all soon.